You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Well, good morning, Cypher Christian Church. How are we doing? Good morning. Merry Christmas. It's good to see you and good to worship with you today. Let's stand as we begin and go to the Lord in prayer and give him thanks for this day. Father God, we come to you with grateful hearts in the name of Jesus and by your spirit, Lord, and we thank you for loving us, for giving us the light of Christ, that you would come into this world in such a lowly, humble way, in a manger, and live and die and be raised to life. And we thank you for those who have placed their faith in Jesus that we have been raised to life as well. We celebrate that life and that light here today as we worship you. Won't you be present with us, Emmanuel? We thank you, Lord, for gathering your sons and your daughters here today. Do something mighty in our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. All right. Uh, the first thing you just saw the video for, uh, next uh, Monday we will be leaving for uh, Passion 2020 uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. So if you really want to go to that, uh, you need to sign up this week because we're leaving soon. And um, it's going to be a great time. And just a few other events coming up. Uh, Travis will be gr- bringing another group this year to uh, Superstar. And this year's theme is Game Changer. And uh, this year it's February 14th through the 15th. Uh, so start signing up now. It's a great way for Valentine's Day to get rid of the kids. <laughs> Send them to a super start. And then also January 24th through the 26th, we have Tanglewood, a Christian camp. Uh, so it's midwinter. Uh, we're taking a group down to a Tanglewood and uh, signups are available now online. So sign up as uh, soon as possible. And For the uh, student ministry, we will not be meeting tonight or uh, next week. Uh, Merry Christmas, and then we're getting ready to leave for Passion. And last thing, I just want to uh, remind you guys about the cards that are in the pews in front of you. We uh, we support our missionaries. We love our missionaries. Uh, We want to let them know that we're thinking about them this Christmas. So if you just would take one of those cards and write to them, uh, that would just be greatly appreciated. Just let them know we're thinking of them this Christmas. we're actually going to show a, a video for them, uh, the uh, Pancrats. Uh, we're going to show a video uh, for them right now, and uh, so give your attention to the screen. Hi, Seth Fair Christian Church. Uh, we're the Pancrats family. My name is Brian. My name is Kate. My name is JJ. I'm Megan, and this is Lucy. And I'm Lake Ava. And let's do it one more time, okay? <laughs> and I'm looking. She's like, looking. Okay. Hey, girl. Yeah. You going to say Layla? Are you going to say Layla? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. One more time. I said for Christian Church, we're the Pancratzes. My name is Brian. My name is Kate. My name is Jason. I'm Megan, and this is Lucy. My name is Ava. And we just want to say hi to our church family back home. Uh, we love you guys and we miss you. And for those of us that we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, we also wanted to introduce ourselves to you. We also wanted to say just thank you so much for your diligence in prayer and remembering us and remembering the people that we live among. Um, yeah, we bless you this Advent season just in the anticipation of Jesus coming and the time with your families. May it be filled with peace and with joy. And yeah, we're thankful for you. And um, couldn't be here without your um, faithful prayers. So thank you. Merry Christmas. We really want you to have a great day. One. If you would take those cards, write a note, it'd be such an encouragement to this family who's dedicated their life to the kingdom of God. Um, Those cards, I believe, are in the backs of their pews, and you can either put them in the offering basket when it goes by, or you can turn it in at that table out in the, the foyer area. Until then, let's stand up, find somebody around you, introduce yourself, and we'll continue with our service. 
I love hearing sort of the rumble of laughter and seeing the smiles. It's just good to be with the family of God here today. We're going to continue with our service, and I'm going to welcome my friends, Adam and Susan, up to the stage who are going to read our Advent reading for the day. Would you welcome them? Good morning, church. How are you? Good, good. Um, I'm Adam, and this is my wife, Susan. Just wanted to introduce ourselves again and uh, tell you a little bit about our journey here. We uh, started coming here because I, I was helping with security for the church, and it's been, it's been amazing. I, it's, it's been amazing um, feeling welcomed by the church and fell in love with a lot of the members here. And, you know, uh, we came here before we were engaged, engaged at that time when, when we first came to church. A vital part of our, our marriage or going to become a husband and wife was finding a uh, church so we could start our foundation as a, as a married couple. And we chose, we chose uh, CFCC and, you know, we were so happy we made that decision. Uh, thank you for covering us with prayers always as we uh, leave the church. And at, when we come back, we always feel like, uh, feel like we're at home. So thank you so much for that. And uh, <laughs> Susan's going to do our uh, Advent reading for us. The word Advent comes from the Latin word that means coming or arrival. For centuries, the church has celebrated the four-week Advent season by lighting candles in a wreath and reflecting on the coming of Jesus as told in Scripture. The circle of the wreath represents God's never-ending love for us. The evergreen represents Christ's gift for eternal life. And the candles announce Jesus as the light of the world. Over the last three weeks, we've lit the candle of hope, the candle of peace, and the candle of joy. The fourth candle of Advent is the candle of love. This verse describes the great love that God has for you. Such a great love that just the thought of you delights him and causes him to sing over you. In fact, he loves you so much, he sent his only son to save us from sin so that we could spend eternity in his presence. And now a reading of John 3:16 to 19. Please stand. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, Father God, for waking us up this morning and bringing us here together, Lord God, just to hear your word and to love on each other and to fellowship, Lord. Uh, thank you for the cross, Lord. We are covered by your blood. We are imperfect people, Lord God, but with your blood and your grace and mercy, Lord God, we're able to be confident in this world, Lord God, and just fight the good fight, Lord. Thank you for this church, Lord. Thank you for bringing everybody here today. I pray that uh, in this time um, of Christmas time, Lord God, may you just let uh, love, joy, and hope, Lord, fill up the homes um, and just our lives, Lord God. Please walk with us, Lord. Continue to teach us, Lord, um, and bless our steps. We love you and we thank you, Lord. Praise on Jesus' name. Amen. So how's the search for the perfect gift going? Um, you know, this is the season that feels like of stuff, right? Um, and it is easy to get caught up in it. I, I find myself, I don't know if you guys have the same problem, but I find myself fantasizing occasionally. Um, you know, when the Lexus commercial comes on and the family drags the wife, wait a minute, it's my fantasy, drags the father out to, uh, to uh, show the car with the big bow on it. Of course, I think about, you know, it should be a red Ferrari with a white bow, um, but this is, again, my fantasy. Uh, or, you know, you pass by the tree and, you know, over the, over the weeks come, leading or the days leading up to Christmas, gifts start showing up around the tree and there's a little envelope in the corner. It's got your name on it. We have no idea where that could have come from or who could have put that there, but what if that has the winning ticket for the Mega Millions this weekend? You know, wouldn't that be cool? Uh, anyway, as uh, momentarily exhilarating as um, 
those kind of fantasies about stuff can be, I think we all sort of intuitively know that um, it's not permanent stuff and it's uh, ultimately not satisfying, which is really pretty easy to get our, our priorities out of whack this time of year. Um, but the first gift, the one on which all these other sort of seasonal gifts uh, are based, that's a gift with real value, value beyond measure. For God so loved the world, he gave us his one and only son. But it was a gift that took time to unwrap, right? So the, the baby is kind of a simple, simple uh, symbol, but so complex as, as it took some 30 years to really begin to unwrap what the gift was really all about. I think um, for most of us, it probably takes time to unwrap um, our faith and unwrap what that gift was about. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. For many of us, it takes dark times in our lives to really unwrap the gift. And it's in those times, in our weakness, that we truly understand the value of that incredible gift. Because in darkness, there is nothing more important, more valuable than light. Will you join me in prayer? Dear Father God, thank you for the gift of your son. We are so very grateful. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Help us to live our lives in gratitude and in reflection, and hopefully as a reflection of of what your son taught us life should look like. We pray these things in the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. So good. This is just one of my favorite times of the year. It's so good to lift up the name of Jesus. Uh, So good. Uh, I know it can be so busy, busy, busy this time of the year, but we continue to encourage you to just step back, take a deep breath, and worship uh, the King. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite absolute favorite things to do um, is to go far, far, far away from the city and to look up into a night sky at the beautiful stars. Um, Look at this little clip. I don't know if you've ever seen anything like this. It's pretty awesome, is it not? That is real. That's a time-elapsed photo of the night sky. It's been about four years ago, Jennifer and I, we we rent a a home in Colorado most summers. It's a real privilege. This family um, gives us the opportunity to rent a family home. And so it was beautiful one night, um, and we took our mattress from downstairs. We brought it upstairs. We laid it out on the deck. Now it gets pretty, pretty nippy at night, but we laid it out on the deck and we laid there and went to sleep under the stars. And you could just lay there and you could watch stars and, and constellations. And, and sometimes as in that picture, you even see things like the Milky Way going past. And then you see these wannabe a star, right? The, these satellites. And if you just track them consistently, you will see that they are moving, that they are not stars at all. They will slowly but surely pass across the sky. I like things like star-filled skies, mountains, oceans, even sometimes, this is a little relative, storms. I love to sit out on a back porch and watch thunder storms lightning flashing. It right-sizes me. It reminds me of how small I am and how big God is. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 2. 
Matthew chapter two. We're going to look at the story of the wise men. And I suspect, I suspect that these men taking taking this journey under the night sky, they find themselves right-sized as they seek to find the one born King of the Jews. Let's pray before we read God's word. Father, we thank you that you right-size us Father, you do so not to squash us, not to harm us, but to bless us for we were each and every one created to worship you, our creator God, our good God, our faithful God, to lift up the name of Jesus. Father, may we worship you now as we look into your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew writes, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We've come to worship him. So these magi, they are a combination of astronomers and astrologers. They're dream interpreters. They're men from the east. Now, legend tells us, not God's word, that there were three wise men. Legend even names the three wise men, but just look at God's word. Matthew never tells us there are three wise men. We assume there might be because there are how many gifts? Three. But Matthew does not tell us there are three wise men. But what we have are these men of wisdom, men of intellect, men who believe the universe is connected and that what happens in the heavens is also, it impacts the earth and what happens on the earth impacts the heavens because everything they believed was connected. It's very interesting. They also were known to interpret dreams. And so here we have these men coming to Bethlehem. And guys, the principle I want us to hear over and over again, and we will see multiple responses, is this statement, this principle, the king of kings demands a response. The king of kings demands a response. He always has demanded a response. He always will demand a response. His coming the first time demanded a response and his coming again will demand a response. And the Bible says every knee shall and every tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord. When he comes again, there will be a response and it will be the same response. But right now today, that is not the case. Just as in Matthew's days, there were options. There were varied responses. And guys, that's okay. Because God meets us right where we are. Are right where we are. It's okay. You might be angry at God today. We prayed for families this morning who have lost loved ones this year. Their homes will not be the same. My Christmas will not be the same. My father died on December 27th last year. We had visitation on my daughter's birthday. Her Christmas will not be the same. 
this year. And so maybe you're angry, maybe you're depressed, maybe you're doubting. You see, God meets us in the midst of our life. He doesn't demand that we come to him. He comes to us. It is a beautiful thing. This expression of God's grace, his mercy, his goodness is a beautiful thing. You see, the wise men are in awe of him who was born king of the Jews. They're in awe. And therefore, they have come to worship. The word worship, uh, you've heard us say it before. It means to ascribe worth, to give value. When you worship, you move from being in awe to having your eyes open to who God truly is to worship. I love to say that we come to God with empty hands. We don't impress him with our worship. We simply are. We were created to worship and we are at our best, most fulfilled when we worship. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? Where is he who will be king of the Jews? Nope. He's born king. He was king as a baby. He was king on the cross. He will be king when he comes again. He was king. John says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and everything that was created was created by him. He's creator God. He's born king of the Jews because he was king and is king. He would not become king And therefore, he was a threat to Herod from the very beginning because Herod wasn't even Jewish. He was the appointed king. And I guarantee someone born king was a threat to him. It's interesting to me who worships in this passage. Gentiles worship. Men from the nations worship. God's people are not worshiping in this passage. People who have come from a long distance. Many people say that they're Babylonians. I I doubt that. I think most likely they're Arabians. And the reason I conclude that is the gifts they bring are all from that region. It doesn't say, so we'll not split hairs. But the point is they inconvenience themselves. They came from a long distance. Something has happened in the heavens. The Bible does not say. Many scientists have tried to reach conclusions. It's not necessary. Something happens in the heavens and the wise men follow a star And they reach this area, most likely Jerusalem is where they find themselves, right? And then they find out what Bethlehem is and where Jesus would actually be born. But you see, Christ, my point is, came for all people, not just one group of people. Christ did not only come for all nations, he came for all people from every background. Regardless of where you find yourself today, Christ came for you. Listen to these all-inclusive passages. And one is very long, this one is shorter. But listen to what God had proclaimed long before Jesus came. Give the king your justice, O God, Psalm 72, verse 1, and your righteousness to the royal son. 
May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May be like rain that falls on the moon. Did my best. Grass like showers that water the earth. Verse 18. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Listen to Isaiah. There shall come forth a shoot, verse 11, chapter 11, verse 1, a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his root shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what he his ears hear, but with righteousness he will judge the poor. It's interesting the poor come into play both times. And decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. A new day is coming, folks. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious." There is judgment in both of those passages. Uh, You cannot avoid it, but there will be judgment at the end of all things. But there's beauty in that passage as well. There's equality in that passage. There's justice in that passage. There is nothing ravaging something else. There's peace in that passage passage. For on that day, the king of kings, the one born in a manger, will have come again. And this is the king the wise men were seeking. Please, when you think of Christmas, it's hard to balance those images. But Advent is all about the coming of the king. He came once as a child, he will come again as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The wise men worshiped the King. Verse three, when Herod the King heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Herod was a tyrant, pure and simple. It's interesting, though, that historians in that day say that he is the only ruler that was able to keep the peace in this area in the world. It sounds familiar, does it not? 
Tyrants usually do a good job of keeping the peace in unstable areas. We unseat, this is not a political statement, but when we unseat tyrants, often we see things totally fall apart. Do we not in the world today? It's not a statement that we shouldn't unseat tyrants. It's just a fact that vicious tyrants keep the peace because everyone is scared to death. Herod was that kind of man. He's troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. It's very interesting to me that Herod goes to the priest and the scribes and the priest and the scribes without hesitation declare where the Messiah would be born. Does that interest you at all? They make the declaration without hesitation I guarantee if Herod has heard that wise men are seeking the one born king of the Jews, that the priests and scribes in Jerusalem, at least some of them have heard, but they're apathetic. They do nothing. They do not begin a search. They do nothing even though they know the passage in Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Clear cut. The king of kings demands a response. Guys, I didn't say a good response, but he demands a response. You can say no to the king of kings. You can turn away from him in apathy. You can have a I don't care attitude. We, we taught on that for several weeks, did we not, Kevin and I? You can just say flat out, I really don't care. It's not the right time in my life. I don't want to hear it. You don't know what I've been through. If God's the kind of God that allows this in this world, I don't want anything to do with him. The presence of the king of kings always demands a response. Sometimes it's negative. I would say no response is a negative response. Apathy that results in nothing. Let's read a little further. We know not to believe Herod, by the way, in this passage, right? (laughs) I just want to clarify that, right? He doesn't want to worship the king. He ascertains when the king's born to know who he's going to take out. It doesn't matter that it's a child two years or younger. He's going to take him out because he has been born king. And he's a threat to the one who's a wannabe, right? Let's read a little further. 
After listening to the king, the wise men went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Now, guys, I can't explain that. And you can't either, right? But if you cannot believe in the miraculous, you cannot embrace Christ in faith. Christ is a miracle-working God. His birth was marked by miracles, a virgin birth, the wise men coming from great distance following the star that rests over Bethlehem. And look at what it says. And behold, it rose, went before them. It came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. You can't say they were joyful any more strongly. They were, one writer says, they were deliriously joyful. They were happy. They'd been on a long, long journey. They had one purpose, to worship the king, and they were about to do so. Verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother. I don't want to stress it too much, but Herod's looking for a child two years and younger. It doesn't say they went into a, a barn-like area where there's a manger with a baby. We could really have a whole message on that. But bottom line, I believe the wise men came to a home, not to a stable. And it says house, oikos, right? All right, don't, don't freak out. You don't have to throw away, right, your manger scenes in your home. I think we have 10 of them, right? <clears throat> And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary. By the way, the child is always mentioned before Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. They're in all. They worship. I know I've said it a lot, but I'm just, I want us to have it etched in our mind. The presence of the king of kings demands demands a response. And so <clears throat> they offered to the king first gold. Gold would be given to an actual king. It's a royal gift. Frankincense would be a gift offered up to God. It was often used in worship. I believe the myrrh used when burying, preparing the dead for burial is foreshadowing the fact that this child was indeed born to die. He was born to give his life. He was born to make an incredible sacrifice so that you and I might have life. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. They got out of there. They did what they came for and now they're headed home. The story tells us that an angel comes to Joseph and warns Joseph and they flee to Egypt and they live there until Herod the Great dies and then they return home. Look at verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious this word is as strong. The joy for the wise men parallels the anger of Herod. 
And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and younger. You see how vicious he was? Anything that was a threat to him being in control, he opposed it with anger. He's vicious. The truth of the matter, guys, we might not be as vicious as Herod, but when God pushes us, when he leans into us, when he pursues us, when he longs for us to give up control and surrender control to him, sometimes we respond aggressively as well. Maybe not with viciousness, but we clench our fist And we say, no, no. And we remain in control to our own demise. There's some interesting contrast in this passage. By the way, I've often, and I can't prove it to you, again, the Bible is silent, but I've often thought of thousands of children being killed. I mean, that imagery has been in my mind, genocide, right? There's a good possibility this might have been 20 children killed or 30 children. Bethlehem was like, we'd call it a dot on the map without a post office, right? I mean, it's tiny. It's recognized because it is the city of David, the birthplace of David, and the place where the king, the Messiah, would be born. One child, five children, 10 children, a thousand children. It really doesn't matter, does it? It's ugly. It's ugly. Let's move forward from Herod to another appointed authority figure. His name was Pilate. He was present at the end of Jesus' life on this earth. Pilate would have a dream. His dream actually informed him as to who Jesus was, but he rejected the truth in that dream. For the second time in Matthew's gospel, we would hear this term, king of the Jews, but it was not used in worship. It was used as a derogatory term, mocking Jesus. He would not be given gold. He would be given a crown of thorns. And he would be beaten to a bloody pulp. Gentiles would be present again. And Gentiles would recognize his identity. One of the soldiers at the foot of the cross says, surely... This is the Son of God. I'm telling you, there's quite a few contrasts. Herod's appointed by the authorities in Rome. Jesus comes. His authority comes from God. He is God. Herod's vicious Jesus' life was filled with love and mercy and grace. He lifted people up. He did not beat them down. You could go on and on and on with a various contrast. But you see, for us today, the presence of the king, God is present here. Christ is present here. Wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there am I in their midst. The presence of the king of kings demands a verdict. 
I, I mean, we've seen this over and over again. The wise men were in awe. They worshiped the king, the priests and scribes, right? They were apathetic. They did nothing, nothing. They ignored the king. Herod, Herod, he was angry, angry. He fought, he pushed back. He wanted to destroy the king. There's a simple profession we make when we choose to follow Christ here at Cypher Christian Church and many churches throughout America and in our world, they call people to make this confession. In a moment, we're going to celebrate at the table of grace. We're going to celebrate the sacrifice Christ made that we might become children of God. When someone's baptized, they say these words, I believe, I love that, say it with me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and my personal Lord and Savior. You see, that's a response to the King of Kings. Maybe you've been far from God for many years. Your response can be as simple as making that profession and saying, Father, I want to return. I want to walk with you again. Maybe you've never walked in relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. I remember when I made my confession. It was simple, not complex. I simply placed my faith in Jesus Christ and he adopted me. I was never his stepchild. I was his adopted child fully. The Bible says joint heirs with Jesus. So today as we celebrate communion, I'm going to ask the servers to come forward at this time. As we celebrate communion, I invite everyone in this room who can make that confession. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God and my personal Lord and Savior. I invite you to come celebrate at the table of grace. It's a joyful thing. It is a worshipful moment. How blessed we are. Our prayer partners will be here and they will be in the back. Maybe you've never stepped across that line of faith and you say, Dale, today I want to respond. You've shown me three responses. I choose to follow Jesus today. And to the best of my ability, I'll do it for the rest of my life. You see, that's all you can promise. None of us follow Jesus perfectly. We simply choose to take one step at a time and to the best of our ability, follow Jesus. Father, we thank you for the King of Kings. We thank you that you draw us to yourself. We thank you that you open our eyes just as you opened the eyes of the wise men, just as they took that long, arduous pursuit. Father, we thank you that as we seek you, we realize that you've been seeking us long before our hearts were stirred. Father, may we make a confession today. May we respond today to the good news. 
We celebrate your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with one final song. And we encourage you to stand with us. As Dale said, the presence of the King of Kings demands a response. And so we have an opportunity to respond to him with open hearts here today. If you have not made a decision to follow Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe today is the day. Uh, What better time than the Christmas season to celebrate the gift of love that Jesus was for all mankind. And so we encourage you um, to make that decision today and uh, to come forward and and maybe pray with one of our prayer partners. Maybe you have a prayer request, uh, personal prayer request that you just don't have words for and you want somebody to intercede on your behalf and pray for you. And our prayer partners are available, not just in the front, but in the back as well. And maybe it's a prayer for someone else. Maybe you just need to call some other prayer warriors uh, to battle with you in prayer and to pray for someone in your family or a friend. Um, This is a time to take an opportunity to do that. This is what we do as the people of God. We go to God in faith and we pray because we believe prayer changes things. So we're going to close with this last song as we sing uh, and celebrate the coming of the King. We invite you to make uh, any of those decisions here today. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to come together and to gather around your word and to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, We celebrate the joy uh, that you have brought us in Jesus Christ. And more than just being in awe, Lord, we have been moved to worship him. And so we draw near here today and uh, we bow down before the manger throne of the King of Kings. And I pray, Lord, that... uh, we would respond to you with open arms. We pray uh, these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pledge together that you rule the world with truth and grace. And so we join in the song with all creation, proclaiming that you are the King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we, your people, confess that truth, not with just our lips, Lord, but with our lives. We thank you for coming, humbling yourself to life with us, descending into this world. But we also look forward to your second coming, Lord. So Maranatha, Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Go in peace.